60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding Nationwide Mortgage Licensing System ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're saving thousands with Robert Palmer right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network now well over 80 stations strong and we thank you for listening because you are who we've been looking for that's right you (laughs) wherever you're listening right now we have designed this program to empower you you know you grow up you go to school you get some job training along the way you get a job and then you get your paycheck that's kind of where the education curve in this country ended we just don't help people through the education through the training We don't help people get the rules of finance. We don't help people figure out what to do with that paycheck when they get it. So usually we start off making a little bit of money and we know we've got a few bills. Maybe we're just teenagers. And so we'll spend what we can. And well, you know, we're being taken care of. We have a roof over our head and everything is great. But beyond that, we have no way of knowing what to do with our money. Usually we just leave it in a drawer. Maybe we put it in a mason jar but we're really not taught how to handle money. So most people end up just kind of frittering it away and get to Wednesday and they don't have enough money to get to Friday. Well, this show is all about empowering you. This show is all about making sure that you don't fall for that, that you're not that guy or that gal. So Robert Palmer comes to us every single day on the radio to help us out. And Robert, I know you wanted to start the conversation today with talking about young adults or even teenagers to go for that first credit card. Yes, again, Rob, in one of my companies, RP Funding, a big mortgage company here in uh, in the Southeast, you know, I see thousands and thousands of credit reports a month. And we see this pattern of, of, of kids getting in trouble with their very first credit card. Uh-huh. You know, the re- one of the reasons it's so hard to get that first credit card is because statistically, most people blow up on their first credit card. You know, they, they don't know how to handle it. They, they think it's free money. They, they get that first credit card, and all of a sudden, it's maxed out, and they can't pay it back, and they don't know what to do, uh, and and it's a disaster. And so that's what we see. And this is because there's a lack of education, a lack of understanding, you know. And so one of the big things is, you know, wh- where are kids? One of the great you know, research articles that Caleb didn't hear is, you know, where are kid? What are kids watching? Right? Where are kids getting their their financial information? You know, most kids are not out there watching, you know, CNBC or listening again to this radio network. It's not our demographic. You know, the, the you know, younger kids are not listening to talk radio. They're not hearing me. They're not watching TV and, and hearing other people talk about personal finance. You know, and so 65% of kids 8 to 14 learn about money from their parents, right? Because we don't teach it in schools. That's another one of my big complaints, mm-hmm. you know, is that the schools don't do enough. And what the schools do doesn't really prepare. You know, no school is out there telling kids the realities of finding themselves in debt. You know, the, 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 the few schools who do teach financial literacy are focused on how to balance a checkbook. You know, okay, this is, you know, the real basic stuff that just doesn't get to where it needs to be. Nobody's talking about, hey, if you go out there and get a credit card and you max it out and you can't pay it back, you're going to blow up your credit and you're not going to be able to buy a car and you're not going to be able to buy a house and you're not going to be able to buy an engagement ring and everything that you're trying to plan in your life can be destroyed by one stupid decision you make right now when it comes to abusing a credit card. Uh, and so, you know, this is the big thing. And so kids are learning from their parents. Um, you know, the problem is, you know, 69% of parents are concerned about setting a good example for their kids. And see, this, I think, is where the confusion comes in, Rob. You know, I think a lot of parents feel like setting the good example means hiding the truth, mm-hmm. right? You know, so if, if the parents are having financial trouble, the, well, we don't want our kids to see that. We don't want to teach our kids this. So we're going to hide it from them, right? Well, kids aren't stupid, you know, and they can tell in a household. You know, this study goes on to talk about how, you know, kids can tell, you know, kids kind of pick up on when mom's hiding purchases from dad or dad's hiding purchases from mom. And this kind of teaches that, you know, you know, hide purchases and, you know, not being honest. You know, your kids can tell if you're stressed out about money, but then you're telling them everything's fine. And, you know, so, again, our, our kids are much more in tune to our lives than we think. And I know from my personal example, uh, that you are not doing your kids any favors by hiding the truth and the reality of your financial situation from them. Uh, again, I, I think I think you can put some kind of filter on it, but you know it, it, they got to understand the realities. They have to understand that that life can be tough and that money can be tough. And you know I think if, if you made you know, most parents today 
probably made some mistakes with credit uh, in their late teens, early 20s. You know, share those stories with your children. Talk to them about, you know, what happened. Again, this is tough for a parent to say, you know, hey, son, uh, I screwed up. And when I was 19, I ran up this credit card and I never paid it back. And because of that, I had to rent, you know, for the first five or six years uh, after I got out of college. Or I almost couldn't marry your mother because I couldn't get approved for the, the engagement ring, right? I couldn't buy your mother the engagement ring I wanted to because I couldn't get approved for credit and I had to pay cash for it because I blew up my credit score uh, in my late teens, early 20s. You know, but no, parents don't want to have these conversations with their kids, but this is probably the biggest service we can do for them, the biggest education we can do. Um, you know, almost half of parents don't have any type of emergency fund. We talk about that. That's one of our rules. Uh, 28% carry over a credit card balance every single month. Uh, you know, and the other, this is the big one too, Rob. I, this was kind of interesting to me. Uh, 28% of, of parents have taken money from their child's piggy bank uh, oh, to, wow. to, meet, to meet some type of financial hardship. And, and again, don't think the kid misses this, right? And so when, when, when they see the reality of it, you know, but they aren't told the reasoning behind it and they're not given the backstory, not given the full story, you know, kids are now trying to form opinions and, and, and make perceptions based on half of the data, right? Half the information. And so one of the big things I think parents can be is more transparent with their children about what's going on in their finances, you know, mistakes they've made. Uh, again, how, how do we learn? Our kids learn from our mistakes. And we, we seem to, to understand that and be willing to embrace that in most parts of society except for money and finance. You know, we'll tell our kids the story about the first, you know, love who broke our heart. And we'll tell the kids, our, you know, our kids a story, you know, about, about making good decisions and bad decisions when it comes to other parts of personal life and drugs and alcohol and all these other things. But we don't want to talk to them about credit. And when you look at the amount of damage that lack of understanding for credit, lack of understanding for debt can have, uh, it can be, you know, I think have a bigger impact than a lot of, of other things that we do try to protect our kids from, you know. And so, you know, one of the things is kids, you know, obviously they do, they do what they see, right? So they're, they're going to imitate our behavior. That's how they learn to talk. You know, I, I talk about this a lot, Rob. I'm really fascinated by the fact that, you know, children learn to talk at such a young age. Mm -hmm. and, and where as an adult, when we try to learn a second language or a third language, <laughs> it's, it, it's very difficult. But you look in a, you know, at a young age, children learn how to speak. And it's from imitating what we do. And you don't have to sit down with them and say, okay, this is this word, this is that word. They just pick up on it from watching you. And so it's such a clear example of how smart our kids are, how smart we are at a very young age that we don't give ourselves credit for and, and how how intuitive we are and how observant we are as little children to watch our parents' behavior in order to even pick up on a language. I mean, if you think they can learn a language just from watching you, don't think they're not picking up on your financial habits and what's really going on. Uh, and, you know, and so you know, if parents are abusing credit cards, you know, kids are going to see that. Uh, you know, if parents have major difference of opinions on money, Right. So if, if mom and dad are fighting about money, if mom and dad, you know, are, you know, again, mom and dad are in there fighting about money and the kid walks in and it just kind of goes away. Right. They don't want they, they're going to stop the conversation. They don't want the kid to know what's going on. The kid's now picking up bits and pieces. Right. They're not stupid. They're, they're not blind to the fact that you're in there talking about money. But now they're only getting half the story. They're not really understanding what's really going on. Maybe what was the, the cause of the problem? You know, did the family spend more than they had? Is the family paying for past mistakes with student loans? Is the family paying for past mistakes with credit cards? This is the type of information that kids need to use. Again, you've got to give our, the younger versions of ourselves more credit. Uh, you know, again, we were smart enough to pick up on language. We're smart enough to learn math. You know, it's funny, you know, you'll see, you'll see parents who struggle with algebra, right, because they haven't done it in so long. And then, you know, now you've got kids, you know, in, in elementary school knocking it out like it's nothing. That's you know, right. computers, you know, iPads, you know, you'll see, you'll see adults who struggle and are afraid of an iPad or a laptop. And then you'll have a kid who'll get in there and just go off on it and, and make it do amazing things. We're very, very smart at a very, very young age. And we don't seem to want to give ourselves credit for that uh, as a society. And, and I think money is a big part of it. Hey, if you're just tuning in, we're saving thousands with Robert Palmer. And there's a lot more lessons coming up in the show. And the great thing about Robert Palmer is he makes it so simple, and with a few easy changes, you'll find that your economic life changed totally. You'll find with the rules that he'll give you and some of the lessons along the way that all you need to do is change a few little things about your spending and saving habits, and you'll be right there at the head of the class where you really deserve to be. 
Well, we started off with talking about younger people and credit cards. As the show goes on, we're going to talk about Robert Palmer's goal to take financial zombies, as he likes to call them, and make them into financial ninjas. We'll take a close-up look at the Saving Thousands Rules to Success. These are 15 very simple, very easy-to-follow rules that if you just incorporate them into your life, you're going to find a change day one. It's amazing. All right, we'll talk about the consumer protection folks in Washington are frowning on LifeLock these days. And we'll talk about budgeting for a new home and how to keep it real, how to keep it, how much can you really afford? You know what happens? Everybody starts making all kinds of promises to themselves once they see that model home and they go, oh, we'll just cut back. We won't eat as much. We won't, uh, we won't go to the lake as many weekends. We really want that home. Well, you got to keep it real because there is life after purchase of the home. You got it? All right, let's get back with Robert. Robert, we're going to ask RP. That's right. We have some listeners that want to know, how do they get rid of PMI, that private mortgage insurance that costs them about $250 a month? All right, so let's start, Rob, by explaining what PMI is to people who don't understand it. Uh, So here's how this works. Uh, When you get a mortgage once upon a time, you had to put 20% down. Mm -hmm. Everybody had to put 20% down because for the bank, for us to be able to foreclose and pay the attorneys and pay the real estate agent to resell the house, if you don't put at least 20% down, we're going to lose a lot of money. You know, that that less than 20% down is almost like it's an unsecured because we have no chance of getting that back when we have to foreclose. And and so when Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were created, they were mandated that they could not take risk above 80% of the, the value of the home. So mm-hmm. people had to put 20% down. Uh, and then somebody figured out, well, what if we get an insurance policy that will cover the difference. So if you only put 5% down, let's get an insurance policy that will pay down the 15% difference if you don't make your payments, if you default. And that's what PMI is. Now, as a customer, you don't get any benefit of that insurance. The benefit you get is you can get a mortgage with less than 20% down. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever you get a mortgage and you put 5% down, 3% down, the only reason you are allowed to put that small down payment is because some entity is insuring the difference between the amount you put down and the full 20%. So on a conventional loan, that's private mortgage insurance. These are private for-profit companies. They have names like Radian, MGIC, uh, National Mortgage Insurance. These are publicly traded companies who are making money by charging you a PMI premium every month. Mm-hmm. And then when you don't, if you don't make your payments, if you default, they have to write a check to us as the lender to, to cover the difference between what you put down and the full 20% down payment. And that helps us then be able to foreclose and not lose money. Uh, and so the other alternative is there's there's government mortgage insurance, which is through FHA, VA, or USDA. These are the government entities. They they do insurance as well to allow people to put smaller down payments down. So when you when you have a mortgage where you have less than 20% down, you're going to have some kind of mortgage insurance, whether it's private mortgage insurance or government mortgage insurance. And this stuff can be expensive. You know, there's some FHA loans out there with two to three hundred dollars a month in mortgage insurance. This is this is on top of your normal mortgage payment. And so the beautiful thing is, uh, once you get enough equity, you can refinance to a loan that doesn't have mortgage insurance. Right now, some mortgage insurances can be canceled, some can't. Uh, some can be canceled early. Some can only be canceled after you've had the loan for enough years to reach the the, the seventy eight percent loan to value mark. Uh, there's all these different complex rules around it. And so you can research and try to figure out if you can if you can cancel your mortgage insurance without refinancing, or you can take a look at what the refinance would look like. And because we're paying all the closing costs right now with the, the refi special, with me mm-hmm. pulling that $2.5 million out of my advertising budget, there's really not a downside to refinancing. You can take advantage of today's low rates, uh, and you can also remove that PMI if you now have enough equity. Uh, and so that's, that's the thing we're helping a lot of customers do because people who bought their home three or four years ago, the home has gone up in value enough that now they do have the 20% equity. But most of the PMI companies won't let you cancel until you reach 78% of the old value, right? It's very oh. difficult. There's there's these waiting periods and you have to buy appraisals. There's all these rules they've put in place to try to prevent people from canceling because they're in a the great position right now. You're still having to pay them and they don't really have any liability because the house is worth so much more than what it was when you originally bought it. And so they want to make it very difficult for you to drop that PMI. Uh, and then on, on FHA loans now, the PMI never cancels. They decide they're just going to charge it for life no matter how much you owe. So one of the ways to get out of that, and we're helping a lot of customers do this right now with the no closing cost refi special we're running, is to refinance out of the FHA loan into a conventional loan. 
uh, mm. without mortgage insurance, or refinance from their old FHA loan to a new FHA loan that has lower mortgage insurance, or to go from a conventional loan with mortgage insurance to a conventional loan without mortgage insurance, because eliminating that mortgage insurance, eliminating that PMI, is such a substantial amount of savings. Even if your interest rate stays the same, you can save a lot of money because you can drop that PMI, and that's in some cases can be a couple hundred bucks a month. So if you are paying PMI and you want to find out if we can help you get rid of it, give us a call, 855-773-8634, or go to rpfunding.com. Again, that's 855-773-8634. Uh, we'd love to take a look at that and see if we can help you eliminate the PMI, help get you into a mortgage with either lower PMI or no PMI, and help you save some money. And again, we're doing it right now with no closing costs because the closing costs refi special. Uh, if you want to check out our license, our uh, NMLS uh, licensing ID is 70168. That's RP Funding's lender license number. We are a, a full-blown licensed mortgage lender. We're a, a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Ginny Mae issuer, seller, and servicer. Uh, you know, So we actually keep uh, about 20 25% of our loans, Rob. We keep them. We collect That's the right. payments on behalf of Fannie, Freddie, or Jenny. How much does a medical bill cost? Is that just a slam just like not paying your car loan? Or is a medical bill looked on a little bit differently by you? Uh, so by us, it's looked at, we, we really don't consider them that significant. However, the credit score is still going to ding you pretty heavily. Yeah, yeah. So I had a, I got a medical collection filed against me a while back and, uh, I was able to get it taken off my credit because they never notified me and I, I have proof they never notified me and they're required under the, eh, I think we use like the fair collection something act. And I had one of my attorneys call and explain to them that they failed to, properly notify. I mean, because no one ever notified me. It was like $100. And no if, anyone had, if anyone had ever called me, I would have given them the $100. Uh, no one ever did. And so I didn't know about it. And so all of a sudden I get the alert from Equifax that I have a collection on my credit. This this was like at 630 in the morning. And uh, this is probably a good story for follow-up for tomorrow. Yeah. yeah so I, I get woken up in the morning with my alert on my phone going off from Equifax telling me I have a collection. And it dropped my credit score, Rob, from a 780 to like a 680 or a 690. It dropped me to wow. a 690. So from a 780 to a 690, overnight. And then as soon as I got it deleted from my credit, my score went right back up to where Thank it was. Goodness. So it, very damaging uh, when it immediately happens. Uh, paying it off will make it hurt you less, but getting it deleted is obviously the preference. And, mm -hmm. and so the standing I used to get it deleted was they failed to notify me. So they are required to notify you. And so, you know, we basically called them and said, hey, we want proof that you notified me. My attorney did and they didn't have it because they never did. Had they notified me, I would have paid it. And so if, if a collection agency does not notify you, they cannot put that on your credit. There's there are certain rules they have to follow. Good. So so I've dealt with a lot of this stuff, you know. And and my thing is because I own a big credit company, my credit has to be perfect. It does. And so I am constantly fighting to make sure. And that's where a lot of the experience and things we talk about here on the show come from is my personal experiences, you know, from monitoring my own credit. And if you're interested in getting a mortgage, just call 855-773-8634, 855-773-8634. A lot of times people just don't buy the house or don't apply for the mortgage because they have some little nagging uh, thoughts, you know, like how much home they can afford or how to get a mortgage. What what's, what's the application process like? What's the closing process like? See, it's unfamiliar territory and people as human nature just don't really stray into unfamiliar territory all that much. So get familiar with it. Visit savingthousands.com. You'll find articles about everything I talked about. You'll find very great radio shows that we've recorded in the end. And of course, you can always call 855-773-8634 or you could go to askrp at savingthousands.com. Now there's an idea and you can ask Robert Palmer himself because Robert, you are dedicating now your entire working life to helping people, to give them empowerment. That's what it's all. That, that, that is the, the one word that describes why I came on the radio. You know, Rob, it was to empower people. And I, I, the biggest problem I found is most people don't realize they need to be empowered because the, the financial services industry has done such a great job of turning us into zombies. We don't even know we're zombies. We don't even know. We think we're in control. You know, there was a, there was a great, uh, re really good, uh, you know, motivational speaker, sales speaker guy. And I remember seeing him at, at, uh, you know, one of the big financial institutions brought him in to to coach or whatever, and yeah. and one of his things was he's like the key is you want to you want your consumer to think they have control when they really have no control, and and that to me was just like wow like this is this this is the best advice we can get for how we should run our financial services companies our mortgage companies our banks is we need to trick our customers into thinking they have control and then not giving them any control 
And that's exactly what auto pay is, you know, so mm-hmm. fight back, fight against all this. You know, if, if you're out there listening, some of this has to be clicking with you. There is so much money you can save. I mean, the, the whole title of this show, Saving Thousands, is, is not supposed to be a cliche. It's a reality. And, and just by looking at a few of these little things, just by standing up a couple times, just by making a few key decisions, by by using credit correctly, you can do that. You know, and, and so another one of the rules, Rob, uh, is going to be that uh, we, we will not abuse credit but we will not be afraid of credit either uh, because good, yeah. I will tell you as a, as a small business owner, uh, there were times along the way where I would not, you can't make it without credit. I do not think you can start a business in this country in the early days with just with zero credit. Right. Can't I mean, happen. whether it's credit for inventory credit for, you know, I mean, when, when you go get cre- a credit card machine to take other people's credit cards, they're going to want to check your credit. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these things play in uh, for our licensing. We have to get state bonds and they want to look at your credit. Right. So if you're in if you're in any type of industry that requires a bond and there's a lot of industries that require bonds, surety bonds, fidelity bonds, uh, they, they want to look at your credit first. So uh, to be a powerful consumer, to be a financial ninja, while you you will not rely on credit, you will not be in debt. You will have credit. You will use credit. You will maintain a positive credit score and you will be aware of that credit score at all times. I think that's something that's very important. You've got I know my credit score at all times. I think any financial ninja has to has to be aware of their credit score at all times. So you've you've got to not abuse credit. Mm-hmm. You cannot be afraid of credit either. It's kind of like the force. There's power in the force. You got to balance it. You got to got to show it. You know the right amount of respect, but don't be afraid of it. That's what credit is. Uh, and then be aware of your credit score at all times because when something comes up in life and you do need to suddenly borrow money, uh, that is the worst time to discover that something's wrong with your credit. You know, you're, you you quit your job and you're excited. And you're going to open a small business. You're ready to go. And then you find out that business requires a bond and you try to apply for the bond and they deny you because you have bad credit. Or you're going to have uh, inventory and so you call the manufacturer and they won't give you the inventory because you have bad credit. You know, all of these things can happen. And, uh, you know, so I, I, think, I think a lot of us don't realize how many facets of our life your child decides they want to go to college and you can't pay cash for it. They don't get the scholarship. Uh, student loans are based on having good credit. You know, all these things factor in. And so I, you owe it to yourself and your friends and your family to be a financial ninja and have good credit. Be conscious of your credit, but don't abuse credit. Hey, Robert, this would probably be a really good time for us to discuss TRID. You know, folks, TRID is a new handful of regulations that have been passed down by the federal government. Much of this in response to the housing meltdown of 2008, 2007, right in there. You remember those days, right? Well, TRID is uh, some new guidelines for mortgage companies and buying a home. And a lot of people are very, very scared of TRID. A lot of people, the financial pundits and people in the mortgage industry, especially the big, big, big mortgage companies or the very, very small mortgage companies got all caught up and worried about these new regulations. Well, let me tell you what. TRID is like no before you owe legislation. It is good. Robert has his arms around it. He grasped it. He's encouraging the use of TRID. And so what happened was with his company, RP Funding, that we've been talking about on today's show, they actually had classes. People were meeting. Everybody in the company became very familiar with all of the new ways to do things under TRID. Well, guess what? If you become completely a ninja on something, it's totally easy. Well, let me tell you what happened. Once TRID went into effect in early October, Robert and RP Funding closed a loan that was going to die at another mortgage company. They were actually able to close that loan in just two days. And shortly after that, they were able to close a loan in just 10 days. So TRID is not a problem when it comes to RP Funding. We just want you to know that. Just rest assured, as some people are saying, 60 to 70 days to closing. Nah, come on. RP funding will do it in, you know, between 10 days and 30 days. And in an emergency, they've been known to close loans in 24 hours. Robert, what's next on your saving thousands agenda? Let's, uh, moving on, let's do a quick rundown of the rules. Maybe we've got some new listeners here. Uh, we'll do a, a quick rundown here. Okay. Uh, I, and I think uh, those of you who have been listening will see how many of the financial ninja rules here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network would have helped uh, and would help if someone finds themselves uh, in this situation. So rule number one, obviously my favorite, obviously the most important, that's why it's rule number one, uh, is to always shop around. And uh, again, shopping around 
for your college education. See, we didn't have to think this way, Rob. You didn't have to shop. You know, most people used to go to a state university and it was a nonprofit and tuition was the same everywhere. And you made the decision purely based on, uh, you know, what school had a better degree program or maybe what football team you liked. Yeah. Right, right, wrong or indifferent. There was no real financial decision to be made because, you know, the, the state colleges were all pretty much the same. You know, then obviously the Ivy League colleges were more expensive and people may weigh that. Uh, but then you have the new nonprofits show up and, and they're more expensive than the Ivy League. So shopping around, I think most people would recognize that the online degree from from a, a bad actor uh, like a Corinthian is is no better than a, a, a you know, and probably worse than a local community college degree. And the community college is, is like one tenth of the price. I mean, it, it's much, much more affordable. Shopping around could help there. Rule number two, know your numbers, know your credit score, know your home value, know your balances, know your interest rates. Uh, you know, th- don't become a victim of identity theft. Monitor your credit report. Know your credit card purchases and balance. Uh, you know, look at the PDF of the statement. Understand how much money you are truly paying in interest every month. Understand what your balances are. Uh, if you monitor your balances from month to month, then you can understand whether or not they're actually going down, right? the whole If the whole idea is to pay off your debt, you have to understand what the balance was last month to know that the balance this month is lower or higher, and are you moving in the right direction? That's rule number two. Rule number three, the three-day rule, three-day waiting period on large purchases or new debts. Again, someone who was contacted by a for-profit college. Uh, I used this a lot in the early days of starting my company, whether it was copy machine salesman or or phone system salesman or whatever it was, uh, I would always wait three days. I would always self-impose a three-day cooling-off period, a three-day waiting period before signing any debt uh, or making any decision on a large purchase. Uh, rule number four, don't abuse credit, but don't fear it either. Uh, I still have people out there who who are afraid of having credit cards, who think that, that credit having credit cards is an automatic path to financial ruin. Uh, it is not. Uh, you know, just like guns don't kill people, keep people kill people. Uh, credit cards are not uh, the the road to financial ruin. Uh, misuse of credit cards is the road to financial ruin. And, and there are a lot of people like myself who are able to use credit cards very effectively. Uh, and this is the financial ninja way, very effectively to rack up points, to rack up vacations, to rack up discounts, to rack up you know down payment on a new vehicle. There's all these wonderful things you can use the credit cards to take advantage of the banks, to take advantage of the credit card issuers and shift the power back to us as consumers. This is how we do it as financial ninjas. We are not going to abuse the credit. We are not going to let the credit ruin us financially. We are not going to live beyond our means. We are not going to buy things we cannot afford, Uh, but we are going to take full advantage of the benefits that credit cards offer when it comes to fraud protections, uh, when it comes to racking up points and getting perks and benefits. We're just not going to pay any interest because we're going to pay those cards off on time, every time, before the end of the grace period. All right, that's rule number four. Rule number five, if you know their tricks, they won't work. Uh, again, just the, the, the simple uh, explanations I've given this morning on for-profit colleges uh, may save the next person from falling victim to that, right? If you know the tricks, if you understand that part of their trick is to keep you on the phone until you commit, that that free laptop or iPad they're going to give you is going to cost you $100,000 in the long run by the time you pay interest and repay the loan. If you know the trick that they want to hide your credit card statement from you by having you go to online banking so you don't see the interest calculations and you don't see the interest rates. If you know all these tricks, they don't work anymore. You know, when I was a kid, I remember seeing my first card trick and I was amazed. This this friend of mine did a card trick where he guessed my card. Uh, and as soon as he explained to me how he did it, it seemed like the stupidest thing ever. But until I knew the trick, right? As soon as I knew the trick, it was so obvious and I felt like an idiot. But right up until I knew the trick, it, it, it was working. It seemed like magic. And as soon as I knew the trick, it didn't work anymore. And so one of the main purposes of this show is to expose these tricks uh, so that you know them. Because rule number five is if you know their tricks, they won't work. Uh, rule number six, spread your knowledge. Educate friends and family. Uh, if you know someone, again, uh, there are people out there right now who are entitled to these refunds on this Corinthian deal. Uh, there are people out there who may be about to be taken advantage of by a for-profit college. You've got to spread your knowledge, right? So I, I am now sharing this with 200 or 250,000 listeners out there across my 42-station network. Uh, but I need you to now tell 
two or three people. I need you to tell your friends and family. I need you to spread your knowledge. I need you to educate your friends and family. It's the only way as a society we can fight back. We can stop being financial zombies. We can stop meandering around, bouncing off of chain link fences, not making decisions when it comes to our, our financial future, when it comes to financial literacy, when it comes to understanding credit cards, credit scores, interest, uh, all the things that are so important in our lives. So I need all of you I need all of you out there, my Saving Thousands Army, to spread this knowledge, to educate your friends and family, and to bring them up to speed because that's how we all become more empowered as consumers, and that's how we fight back against the big financial services companies and the crooked for-profit colleges and everybody out there who's trying to get rich by taking advantage of us as a whole. We're not going to stand for it, but we've got to spread our knowledge, rule number six. Rule number seven, own real estate, sooner not later. This is, to me, the biggest downside and the biggest pitfall, people who fell victim to the student loan a trap and the student loan frauds is art that it will impact their ability to own real estate. Mm-hmm. It will impact their ability to be a homeowner. It will prevent them from being able to own a home and start accumulating equity and accumulating wealth, right? And, and building up to something and building massive amounts of wealth. Uh, and unfortunately I don't have a solution for it. We're going to try to put one together. We're going to try to figure out some type of relief. Uh, but one of the, the, one of the big problems this is going to cause is that student loan debt, that high amount of student loan debt, that we have seen uh, build out there is going to prevent people from owning real estate. Yesterday, we talked about the $1.2 billion uh, equity fund uh, that JP Morgan put together to, to invest in rental properties, right, through a, a big rental property conglomerate. Uh, they understand the wealth being created by owning property, uh, and they want to take advantage of the fact that a lot of us can't buy houses. A lot of us can't be property owners. A lot of us can't be homeowners because we're saddled with student loan debt or because we haven't taken care of our credit scores and our bills in the past, or we're just afraid, right? And the fear is the worst one, Rob, because it's so easy to be corrected. Uh, there's no need to be afraid. Pick up the phone, uh, call us, call someone, see if you can get approved for a home loan and go out and buy a house. Rule number seven, own real estate sooner, not later. Rule number eight, practice what you learn and always learn more. Uh, this is one of my favorites, Rob. If you're not going to pay attention or if you're not going to put to use the things I'm telling you, uh, you might as well be listening to Britney Spears on the pop station a, a few turns of the dial over. Uh, if you're going to spend your days here with me, if you're going to spend an hour a day listening to me talk and empower you with these rules and empower you with this knowledge, you've got to put it to use. You've got to practice what you learn and you've got to always be willing to learn more. Even I myself don't think I know it all. I can always learn from others. I can always learn something. I learn something new every day. And that's my goal is to learn something new every day and to put into practice these rules, to put into practice the things I learn so that I can be a more empowered consumer and I can help empower other consumers. Uh, Number nine, share your successes. So this is different. We talked about sharing your knowledge, but it's also very important that you share your successes, right? So when you're able to save money, when you're able to avoid a scam, when you're able to make a good decision, you know, say you, uh, you're called by one of these for-profit colleges and because you shop around and use the three-day rule, you end up going to community college because it's one-tenth the cost for the same quality, if not a better quality of education. You have got to share that success with your friends, right? Uh, they will listen to you on the knowledge piece a little. They will listen to you on the success piece a lot. So if you find yourself saving money, if you find yourself fighting back, if you find a trick and you avoid it, that is a success. And rule number nine is you have got to share your successes. Rule number 10, uh, I want you to have a savings account equal to your last three months of gross pay, right? Last three months of gross pay. This number is constantly changing. As you're getting raises, it's going up. As you're working more overtime, it's going up. This is the only way to truly prepare yourself for the possible bumps and hiccups down the road. Uh, To be a financial ninja, we are never going to find ourselves in a situation where we are desperate for money and have to rely on debt. And if we have a savings account with our last three months of gross pay right there sitting there waiting for us, uh, we can avoid those situations. We can be empowered. Rule number 11, we're not going to gamble with the essentials. Okay, what are the essentials? The essentials are our retirement accounts. The essentials are that savings account we just talked about. We're not going to bet it all on some hot stock tip that we got from our buddy. We're not going to sink it into Apple stock because we think it's going to go up when it's had a a rough and rocky ride and people have definitely lost money there. Uh, We're also not going to gamble with our home if we are buying a home. If we're following rule number seven and we're going to own real estate, we are not going to gamble with our rate lock. Rob, we have seen rates go up considerably in the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. uh, all the people who didn't lock their rate in, who let the mortgage broker and mortgage guy talk them out of the rate lock, oh, float the rate. I got a feeling things are going to get better. Uh, all those people are now staring down significantly higher payments. And in some cases, it can actually cost you your ability to buy the home at all. If interest rates move up too high, 
and you didn't lock your rate in, you may no longer qualify to buy that home. And I don't want anyone to find themselves in a situation where they've they've committed to buying a house, they've gone under contract on a house, they've told their friends and family and shown the kids and shown the wife or shown the husband, uh, made plans to change schools and change banks and everything else. And then a week before closing, you find out that you didn't lock your rate in. The rate is now considerably higher. And now you find that you don't qualify. So we do not gamble with the essentials. This is retirement accounts, savings accounts, interest rate locks. Don't gamble with the essentials. There are certain things in life we just absolutely have to play it safe with. That's rule number 11. Rule number 12 is we're going to check references. We're going to use Google uh, or whatever your preferred search engine is. And we're going to put in the name of a company that we're considering doing business with, followed by the word scam. We're going to put in the name of that company, followed by the word reviews. We're going to put in that company, followed by the, the letters BBB or Better Business Bureau, so we can check out their Better Business Bureau rating uh, and see if they're an accredited business. We're also going to put in the name of that company followed by the word complaints. We're going to look at this information. We're going to process this information, and we're going to make better decisions as consumers, rule number 12. And then finally, rule number 13, if you own or run a business, I want you to be transparent with your consumers. Uh, I did it in my business. I've been wildly successful because of it. When you put consumers first, you can succeed. You can win. Uh, don't listen to all the hype. Don't let the the greed, don't let examples like Corinthian, just because they brought in $3.5 billion dollars, uh, by taking advantage of people with student loans. Don't let that let you sway from the cause. You can build a better business and a long-term sustainable business if you put your customer first and you are transparent with your customer. And this is going to be the subject of my upcoming book, Rob, which I'm going to release later this year. Uh, and that is the 13 uh, principles rules here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Uh, I'm going to get those posts on the website soon. Until then, I'm just going to keep talking about them here live on the air. Well, Robert, by now, the listeners have got to be convinced that this is really all about empowering them. And you are passing along some great information, just like you always do. And I can't wait for your first book to come out. So folks, keep listening to Saving Thousands with Robert Palmer on the radio and be watching the website, that would be savingthousands.com, for information on Robert's new series of books that are coming out late in the year and early next year. It's really, really great reading, fast-paced reading, easy to understand, and empowering information that you're going to love. Now, Robert is always innovating. He's always coming up with new ways that we, the Robert Palmer family of companies, can serve you. So we've got this radio show, right? We've also got our 24-hour channel on iHeart. Just search Robert Palmer. But now there's another way that we can empower you. How's that? Okay. How about an app for your phone? You know, it's almost a joke in our society now. There is an app for that. Well, so Robert has an app for that. Very, very simple. All you've got to do is go to your Play Store, okay, and download the Saving Thousands radio app. That's the Saving Thousands, you have to spell out thousands, radio app. And from then on, you just simply go to your smartphone, you click on it, and you will see a variety of shows that you can then play on demand. And that would be these very radio shows. So very, very cool, a great tool for you, and just one more way that Robert is trying to empower you. And you know who else is helping you now? The Consumer Financial Protection Agency. Robert, they've gone after another company. You know, LifeLock is another one. You know, these guys that get LifeLock had a, that they were, uh, they entered into an agreement. So the FTC busted them for something years ago, you know, deceptive advertising. And again, kind of around the same thing. One of the big points of the of the the city uh, settlement had to do with them uh, with the fake credit protection, right? It's like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna protect your credit because again, this is on people's minds. I mean, there's there's all these hacking cases and people's personal information. You know, we had the Target thing a couple years ago. You know, all this stuff going on. Big companies getting hacked, personal information being out there. Did you, did you see, Rob, where this cheating website got hacked this week? Yeah, the cheating site, that, you know, it, the IRS, you know, it, everybody. It, it, it's it's insane. And so people are obviously scared about their personal information. Mm -hmm. And so to prey on that fear, these companies have cooked up fake products that are supposed to protect you. And and really all you have to do to protect yourself is, is go to Equifax, TransUnion, Experian. And if you suspect you've been a victim of identity fraud, you can freeze your credit at no cost with most of these, these bureaus. So why would you pay, you know, LifeLock, whatever, 100, 200 bucks a year? And, and so the, the the advertising they use and the methods they use to sell this, and like in City's case, people didn't even say yes to it. They just added it to their added it to their, their bill so the guy in the call center could get a, 
you know, could, could make a little extra commission. So unfair. Completely insane. And so LifeLock got busted for this years ago. And, uh, and and now they've just been refined for not following the terms of their original agreement to stop doing it. And one of the things that 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 I, I that drives me crazy about these guys. So when you hear their commercials on the radio, they claim they can protect the equity in your home, right? Now, how 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 in the world how in the world is LifeLock going to keep my home value from going down? Which, which so again, they're they're preying on fear, right? We all we all lived through two thousand seven, eight, nine, ten when home values were going down. And equity was being eroded, and people were losing the equity in their home. But you don't need LifeLock to protect. There's nothing they can do to protect the equity in your home. See, when you get a credit card, right? So if I call up City right now, other than selling me a bunch of useless garbage that I didn't ask for, uh, they will give me a credit card just by asking me stuff over the phone, right? So I can say, sure. yeah, hey, yeah, my, this is uh, John Smith. Yes, no, I, I know I sound like that Robert Palmer guy on the radio, but no, no. My name is John Smith. See, I have a mustache. John Smith, right? And I'm wearing glasses. Uh, John Smith, yes. And my social security number is whatever. And here's my new address. Please send me a credit card for $10,000. And then they're like, okay, sir, as long as you buy all this garbage protection stuff from us, we'll send that credit card right out to you, right? So now I have a credit card in John Smith's name, and I can go out there and blaze it up and buy a big screen TV and stick him with a bunch of losses, right? That's how identity theft works. Well, if you try to do a mortgage... You have to close at a title company with a notary, and you have to provide two forms of ID, and there's all these other protections in place. Oh. So there is nothing about LifeLock that's going to protect the equity in your home, <laughs> but it sounds great, right? It sounds sounds great. Yeah, we're going to protect your equity. And so this is the kind of stuff that they're getting fined for because it's 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 false. It's misleading. It's, it doesn't happen. doesn't exist. And uh, so the, the funny thing is, so they, they're they publicly traded. Their stock dropped like 30% when this came out. That's going to hurt. You know, because the shareholders are like, oh, wow, if we get shut down, you know, all these practices we've been doing that making us all this money, they're telling us we can't do it anymore. What are we, <laughs> we going to do? So again, if, if LifeLock had just, I mean, let's roll back in time. Right? Uh-huh. If LifeLock had just, at that moment, four, three, four years ago, when the original order came out, if they had just changed their business model to do it the right way, and quit deceiving consumers and quit trying to sell them garbage they don't need and just roll out a viable product, right? I guarantee you their stock price today would be higher than what it is after they just had this 30% drop, right? Certainly. So their stock is at like 10 bucks. I promise you it would be higher than that if they had just done the right thing three years ago. Hmm. Hindsight, right? But this is my, my point that, that what I am telling business owners here is the truth. If you embrace the changes, if you treat your consumers correctly, if you stop acting like a vampire and trying to suck the blood out of every consumer you can get your nubby little hands on, you will ultimately be more successful. Yes, the short-term gains of blood sucking are monumental. Right? You can make a lot of money really quick by taking advantage of people, but it's not a long-term strategy. It is mm-hmm. not a long-term gain. And so here's a LifeLock. There you go. LifeLock CEO. Had you done the right thing three years ago, your stock price would be higher today. Now, it wouldn't have been higher a week ago, right? That The short-term gain would have been better. They shot up to like 15 bucks a share. Now they're back to 10, you know, mm. which is lower than where they were back then. Had they just done the right thing, they'd probably be sitting in the 12, 13, 14 range. So, yeah, the short-term gains wouldn't have been as great, but the long-term gains would be better. And so as business owners... You know, as CEOs, as CFOs, as COOs of companies, if we will just recognize the reality, the CFPB is here to stay. The days of taking advantage of consumers are long gone. You may get away with it for another year or two, but there will come a point when you do not get away with it any longer. Just embrace it and quit screwing around and let's do the right thing and you will be more successful. Mm-hmm. And the consumer will not waste all this money and, and you know, we're causing hardships we're hurting our own economy, right? Our economy is trying to dig out the 700 million bucks that the city sucked out of people's pockets by selling them BS protection. You know, that could have gone to something useful in the economy. Sure. You know, but no, no. So again, we're, we're, we're hurting ourselves. We're making our own lives more difficult, you know? And so that's, that's where it all fits in. And so my, my plea as always, what rule is that, Rob? I, what rule number? You're my, my guru of rules, Rob Newton. What number is that? 13 
be transparent, be open. There you go. With if you own customers. a business, be transparent and be open. Rule number 13. Yeah. Let me ask you Life a question. LifeLock and City need to read the Saving Thousands rules, and they need to follow number 13. That's right. Now, a couple of other rules enter into this, and that is if people were watching their numbers, huh? Absolutely. Rule number two, they would have seen those little uh, those little charges on their, yeah, uh, I will their credit card statements. I will guarantee you when you log into the mobile app, <laughs> it's not on there, those, those, those charges <laughs> those aren't on there. aren't there, Robert? They're on the statement. <laughs> they're not in the mobile app. We all, we all know the trick they love with the mobile app because they can control what you see. See, the, legally, there's standards for the PDF statement, and right. they have to show you this stuff. On the mobile app, they're like, oh, what if we turn that charge red against a red background? No one will ever see it. See yeah. it. Wow. Now, the other thing is, do the consumers have access to the CF? I mean, is there a way we can call them or write them? Yeah, or what? So, How do we do that? Yeah, you. I don't know about call, but you can, you can file a complaint on their website. On the website, yeah. okay. And a lot of people are doing that. That's... Their database is very robust, and they publish, they publish like statistics on the highest complained about companies by industry and, and all these oh, different things. Want to see that yeah, it is. Yeah, CFPB, uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. You can Google them. I think it's CFPB.org or Consumer Finance Protection. Whatever, Google it, you'll find it. Okay, but yeah, you can. You can file the complaints right on there, and companies take them seriously. You know, they, they take it a lot more seriously sure. than if you just complain to them. See, and the other thing is the, the complaints are put in a database, right? So they can be searched later. And, and so what they're looking for is patterns, right? And so when, when thousands of consumers all complain about the same fee, see, you know, if you get, you get one complaint and they think, oh, well, you know, maybe this is just a, a crazy consumer, right? Who, who didn't, under, you know, whatever. But when you get a thousand of the same complaint, sure. now they take it seriously. And that's, that's where a lot of their enforcement targets, that's where they're found. That's where it comes from. So, uh, again, it's an organization I am happy is out there. Uh, you know, they, they've had their own issues. There's been some, you know, the, their number two just resigned recently. There's been cool. some 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 allegations of internal discrimination uh, uh, amongst the employees. I mean, mm-hmm. again, it, it's a young government organization. And look how poorly some of the old government, right? You know, institutions, <laughs> yeah, the, the old government, mm. uh, you know, entities run. This is a new one. They're still. But it, the concept is right. You know, again, I, I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. uh, for the entire setup of the CFPB, but the concept needs to be there. And what they're doing is right. And again, it's about getting uh, attention of these companies. Hey, you know, two or three times during the show, Robert, I've mentioned savingthousands.com. So let me take a minute here and just kind of educate people as to what they'll find on there. Folks, if you go to savingthousands.com, and again, you do have to spell out thousands, you'll see the homepage, which is really a great opening. It's a, it's kind of like walking into a, a giant convention center and you know you're there for financial empowerment. Well, that's kind of what the homepage gives you. It gives you kind of a map of what else you're going to find on the site, and it's very, very user-friendly. Right across the top, you're going to see some tabs, and those tabs, once you click on them, will take you to articles and radio shows and that section of Saving Thousands. Like, you'll find the Saving Thousands Rules to Success. There's one that's called Radio Shows. You click on that, you can play back our radio shows on different topics on demand. One says station listings. Well, you click on that, you get a map. And the map shows you where other radio stations are that carry this very radio station. It also gives you the day and the time that that station plays our show. So when you're traveling, you can always take us along. All right. Then you'll find a tab that says Ask Robert. Well, you can click on that. You can ask Robert any question you want. He will get back to you on it without obligation. And there's one that says Home Value Hotline. The Home Value Hotline, when you click on that, you just simply put in your address and say, I would really like to know what my house is worth, and I'd like a real estate professional to give me that estimate without obligation. That's exactly what we do here at RP Funding. I know the people are going to call you back, and I know them very well, and they are not going to try to trick you into doing business with them. Well, Robert, my niece and my nephew very big listeners to the show. They felt empowered, so they wanted to buy a house. They got in their van with their two kids up in Warrensburg, Missouri, of all places, and they traveled around till they saw the new model center. Fell in love with the house, a 3-2 with a swimming pool, nice, nice fenced-in yard. They fell in love with it. Everybody was excited about it. And then they found out that it was way out of their price range after they'd already gone in and made an offer that they thought they could afford well, the news wasn't so good when they talked to the mortgage company. Yeah, and it's just it's good planning up front. And I would tell you the the problem in that scenario is 
they found the house before they did the budget, right? And so mm-hmm. this is the mistake people make is once you go out there and you get emotionally attached to a house and you fall in love with it and you start picturing the kids running up and down the hallways and you picture the swing set you're going to put in the backyard and, and you picture the dinner party you're going to throw and all these things, once you're emotionally attached to that house, it's too late. I mean, good financial sense has gone out the door. I would love to tell you, uh, that even I can I can avoid you know, avoid and resist that temptation. It's not. It's just. It's really hard. I mean, when you once you have fallen in love with a house because it's more than just a building. It's our home. It's where mm-hmm. we're gonna go every night with our spouse. It's where we're gonna raise our kids. It's it's so emotional. And now you go back and try to do the budget. You're gonna pencil whip the budget to make it fit what you've now emotionally fallen in love with. Right. So the key is you've got to do the budget first, okay? And you've got to do this research first. Before you ever go look at a house and fall in love with it, before you even call us, all right, to, to get pre-approved or call us and get pre-approved and we'll help you put the budget together, we'll help steer you in the right direction, you've got to do the budget. Because if you don't want to make those sacrifices today before you've fallen in love with the perfect – see, once you've fallen in love with the perfect house, you will, in your mind, be willing to sacrifice anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, like you That's said, right. give up anything. But if you're sitting there today, you're not just going to start to volunteer and say, well – yeah, I'll give up golf. Let's give up. Go- there's there's no emotional attachment yet. There's no house you're in love with. And so if you do this exercise first, if you sit down as a family unit with your spouse and you go through and you do your budget and you say, okay, what are we comfortable with? And then you commit that you are not even going to go look at a house until you know it fits within that budget. And so what this means you're going to do is you're going to check the taxes and insurance before you ever go look at it, right? A little more work on your part, but you're going to save yourself from this trap of emotional attachment. So your real estate agent sends you a list of 10 houses, right? All right, so on those on the list from the real estate agent, it should list the taxes right there. Right. And then you can call an insurance agent, call your insurance agent and be like, hey, here's here's 10 houses I'm looking at. Let me give you the details. You know, Do any of these sound like they're going to be really expensive to insure? Are any of these not going to fit into my budget for what I'm mm-hmm. trying to spend on insurance? Uh, hey, real estate agent, are there HOA dues on any of these houses? If so, what are they? Right. And you've almost got up front say, well, agent, uh, we're looking for a hundred and sixty thousand dollar house if it's not in an association, and we're looking for a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house if it is in an association because you know there's going to be association dues. Sure. And so that sales price is going to be affected accordingly. So if you take the time before you ever go look at the houses, look at them online. That's fine. Run your numbers. You know, call us. We can help you run the numbers. We can run payments for each individual house for you. Uh, we can add in the taxes and insurance if you've got hard numbers from the, the real estate agent for the taxes and from the insurance company for the insurance. And so before you ever go look at a house and fall in love with it, you can look at the payment and understand because the last thing you want to do is stumble into that house with the crazy expensive homeowner association, the crazy expensive insurance, the crazy expensive taxes, and you don't realize any of these things until after you've fallen in love with it, right? And you make the mistake, you take the kids with you to look at the house oh. and they're in love with it and everybody's in love with it. And now is when you're going home and you're going to pencil whip the budget and you're going to try to make it fit. And all you're doing is setting yourself up for failure. So do yourself the favor, take the extra little bit of time and and calculate the payments. Work with us. We'll be happy to help you calculate the payments on each of the 10 houses uh, so that when you go out there and look at them and you can eliminate the ones that don't fit the budget you are comfortable with before the emotional attachment sets in. Well, Robert, you made it right down to the last minute of the show. Once again, folks, a lot of financial empowerment. Don't forget savingthousands.com. You'll always find more information there that you kind of glean from this show, and you can expand on it by going to savingthousands.com. Don't forget, archive shows are on there, so you can replay these shows as much as you want on demand. All right? Don't forget, Robert is coming out with his first book. Within a matter of weeks, we'll catch you up on that. Don't forget about the Saving Thousands app on your smartphone. Download it right now. And don't forget this very radio station. It is important to us, and it's important to you. And before you know it, you'll be saving thousands with Robert Palmer. 